Welcome back to Radar Peak. I'm Brett. I'm joined here by the wickedly talented, one and only, Adele Dazi. <laughs> what is the song that she sang? It was from Frozen at the Oscars. Was it Let It Go? Yeah, I was about to go, I'm off the deep end. But that's literally not. Different Oscar nominee. Yeah. Let It Go. I hate that song. Sorry. Hot Sorry, take. Disney. I know. You just made a lot of Disney adults really mad, I feel like. Have there been? Well, I mean, just Disney adults in general are very, like, protective of their Disney. You know what I mean? Oh, like di- like Disney adults being... That's a whole category, like, of... Of former children. <laughs> yeah, who just, like, are still so entrenched in Disney as adults. It's, like, their whole personality. You know, I was thinking the other day about how, like, the Disney to, like just celebrity pipeline right like miley cyrus oh, Demi Lovato, selena gomez but i was thinking like women really benefit more from the disney to celebrity pipeline like yes. with the exception of like the jonas brothers yeah who is like another ma- okay you got zach and cody zach efron okay you know what men have profited retraction but you know who really didn't get much i feel like much play who's that phil of the future ricky allman ricky allman who I... has come up before i think Man, you know what people ask when did you know that's when i knew <laughs> did you have a crush on him i loved phil of the future i was like such a loser <laughs> i loved ali milshaka though oh my god yeah well ali and aj ali yeah, i'm so sorry let me shut this off we get it you're popular guess it's a big speaking of shows it's a big week for shows big week it's been a big week for news it's just been a big week in general i feel like i mean what's going on on your well i just mean more specifically the last time we talked about it the chinese spy balloon had been shot down off the coast of south carolina Mm -hmm. and i think it was the fbi aiding the coast guard Mm. we're recovering the pieces to Mm. take it back to the fbi lab in like virginia or somewhere to Mm -hmm. study it and figure out you know like what exactly china's up to yeah yeah not to interrupt you but i'm reminding myself of this therapist i went to for like two weeks who uh-huh. like after everything i said she was like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a double mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <gasps> and and i and i had to cut ties with her after two weeks i was like yeah this isn't working out you know also, what that makes me think of what not to you know out you as a disney adult but you saw the princess diaries yes of course sandra O oh as principal gupta gupta mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. the queen is coming <laughs> so funny i literally <laughs> quoted that like last week that's what it reminds me of oh uh, yes yeah, so good anyway distracting having a therapist do that i know i know anyway so there were a lot of ufo sightings after the chinese spy balloon and right but which i did hear had something to do with and correct me if i'm wrong the radar pickup frequencies being like increased essentially yeah so the way that i understand it when radar is scanning the skies it filters out things that we slow moving expect and know are going to be there so like it's filtering out commercial airlines it's filtering out private jets things like that but the system is built to filter out things so that it's not going off all the time it's looking for like icbms and things that are moving in ways they're not supposed to be things like that so they lowered those thresholds right so now it's picking up way more things than it would be showing results for normally Mm -hmm. except you have the difference of people seeing these things and also the president taking extraordinary action to physically take them out of the sky and like wasn't one of them claimed by like some hobbyist balloon canadians oh is that so i heard one of the thing it might have been it might have been the lake huron thing i'm not sure interesting but one of the balloons was allegedly claimed to have gotten lost but 
and by like i don't know if it was a canadian or what but some like hobbyists like hobby group of whatever like people that send balloons into the sky and play i don't know drone warfare mall balloons or yeah mall balloons that, but allegedly interesting just something i saw but you're well, also, I think in the history, too, of NORAD, which are the, you know, they're the people who track Santa every Christmas. They, but more specifically, Famously. they keep their eyes peeled. peeled for ICBMs. I think in their history, they've never taken something out of the sky. Really? Until this past week when they took down a UFO. But what prompted them to lower the threshold of In radar? the first place? Yeah. Good question. Right? Like, was that answered? I don't think so. Slash, I don't know if that's been asked. Okay. So bring me back. What's the latest? What's with this UFO? Okay. So I'll start all this off by saying, I think in America, we're witnessing, I don't know exactly the word for it. I'll, unique, I'll say. We're facing a very unique moment in history. That's very kind way to put it. But... <laughs> Not one that's wholly original mm. because we've faced moments like this at least one other time that not that I can remember because I'm only 22, <laughs> but that I've read about and you in I'm aware of. But I'll circle back to that in a minute because it's I don't have a big of truth today, but I do have this spill. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but for generations, UAP and the entire subject of things in the sky that we see, but we don't know how to explain have really Ology. just been... <laughs> Have just been relegated to like being pulp fiction fodder or science fiction or things that we see in movies. Right. And anybody who's serving in any official capacity, mm. there's been this culture specifically like if you see something, don't say something. Because it's like a lot of the times when people have come forward, pilots for the Air Force, people in the Navy, having seen things, their superiors are like, are you feeling okay? Like it's been really sort of like, you know keep it hush hush because like we don't talk about bruno it's weird you know very gaslight gatekeep girl boss very that and you know for the most part the only real place you could find community or a home for these types of discussions were places like on am radio of like coast to coast with art bell mm, never heard of him but i'm sure he's great massive am radio show for people talking about it sounds like fringe this. theory Shh. things very that. Sounds like they're talking through, you know, like yeah. the string with two cups. You're listening to Ian Radio in Orkdale. And today on the episode, we're talking to a former Navy pilot who's trying to have shot down to the Navy Friday. Pretty much. You're listening to 1010 You give us 22 minutes, we'll give you the world. Sorry, I just love doing an AM radio voice, it turns out. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's great. But so over the past week, through all forms of media, major and social, we've seen... Major and social. You know, like mainstream yeah. and... No, I love that. People generated. Concise. We have seen probably more headlines than I've ever seen in my life containing UFO in the headline, which is kind of astounding. Especially considering what we discussed just like, I don't know, maybe four or five weeks ago when we were talking about the build up to the possible 2027 announcement. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, OK, I mean, like this is kind of confirming what we predicted that yeah. there would be more and more. Like I personally can't believe that we are seeing what we predicted play out. Yeah. Go on. So I see all of that. And I see, I mean, we've talked about how it's been trending on social media for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, but you see it coming from major news sources as well. And I equate that to hysteria and not to mean that the people talking about it are crazy. I just mean, it's, you know, like the Beatles, like it's the thing that's happening the most has the most eyes and it's almost like 
taking over the collective consciousness to a point where it's like almost self-fulfilling in a way. Now, the more people are talking about it, the more legitimate it gets. So then the more we wind up talking about it because they're looking for more of it now. So it's just this is like, what's it called? Like an Ouroboros, the snake oh, eating its tail. Yeah. It's that. It kind of like what I think of. So it's certainly they don't want to talk about. Well, I mean, they don't want to talk about the two trains that derailed this week. No. And there is actually a conspiracy theory that the UFO thing has been talked about to the point that it has so that we won't be talking about arguably the greatest natural disaster in the history of america it is so fucking bad yeah like the middle of america largely is about to have sitting under a cloud of hydrochloric acid and their entire like water source is going to be contaminated the ohio river basin has fully been contaminated which supplies water to I mean, like dozens Millions of, of states. people. Yeah. It is so, like you literally, it's, you cannot drink water. No. If you live in, you can't breathe the air, you can't drink the water. It's like unsafe. And no to one's talking be. about it. And you know why? Because the people responsible, you know, the holding companies of, you know, who are responsible for like the lawsuits that are, you know, and, and for the disaster, they are also probably huge stakeholders at all mainstream media outlets. So it's like, really, it's not, it's, just, it's very simple math why major news outlets are not covering these very important stories and life-threatening disasters caused by fucking I don't know, like negligence. Yeah, I mean, the wagons are definitely being circled, it feels like. Also, I recently, this past week, I met a listener from Pittsburgh. Oh, God bless. So, hi to our listener, Lexi, in Pittsburgh. And we hope that you're doing okay. I also just hope that you stay in LA if you have the chance and not go back to the acid cloud. Where's the, where is the government uh, stipend for bottled water? Do you want to know something? What? Do you know the fine that that company is going to pay to the state of Ohio? $15,000? It was like, it equated to like not even $5 per person affected. Why? And they said it's safe to go back. Yeah. Meanwhile. Where is FEMA? Millions of fish are dead. People's pets are dead dying silent spring it is literally fucking silent spring it's because what was it like some chlorine it was a monomer that is used so once i'll get back on my ufo topic i know i'm so sorry i I derailed you no i'm like you give me a new thing that (laughs) i I say derail that i'm able (laughs) we definitely can't say that anymore (laughs) too soon but also too violent both all the above polymers which we know as plastics yes are chains of chemical components called monomers mm. that get put together to make polymers, polymers. that follows that polymers tracks. are safe aside from the fact that they can pollute the environment as microplastics but the actual like to hold a plastic is not going to do your body your respiratory system nervous system any damage but the monomers used to make the polymers can be very dangerous mm. so on this train they were carrying a monomer that is stored in a way to keep it safe because it boils at a very low boiling point and turns to gas and turns to a gas so when this train derailed the storage of this monomer was compromised it vaporized in the fire that ensued and then bigger it's able to bond with water molecules to create hydrochloric acid Which is a famous choking agent used in World War One. If I so, I mean, it's not history. It's not just smoke that's polluting the environment. It's literally a 
cloud of hydrochloric acid that was going straight up into the sky. And now raining down also. And, and then also the monomer is seeping into the ground and, you know, tainting the waterbed. So it's like... It's so bad. The greatest natural even, disaster yeah, in American arguably. history yeah, is happening as we speak. And no one is taking responsibility for it. And no one's reporting on it. Not to tie it back to the book, but I mean, we literally just talked about how Mike Evans' dad's oil tanker so ran crazy. aground and destroyed a beach and killed all of this animal life and it's like his first thought was how do we minimize damage how do we you know protect sure, accountability the, company, and the corporation the family and the business and going back to what you said before i derailed you history repeats itself yeah you know this would not be the first time in u.s history global history i mean literally the three body problem it talks about the natural disasters or not natural disasters the man-made disasters yeah. plaguing the earth it's so wild I, I think i we i mean we've talked about them now a couple of times i think i'm ready to come out as an adventist oh well we'll get into it today oh great okay but bring us back to the skies the ufos the or shall i say the uaps mm -hmm. to catch everybody up because like i said the last time we talked about any of this it was just the balloon from china that got shot down off the coast of south carolina right that happened on february the 4th when it entered u.s airspace flew over highly sensitive military sites posed no immediate risk because its communications were being jammed but then it was taken down and recovered so it could be studied. Then on February the 10th, a differently shaped object entered the U.S. This one was shaped like a cylinder. Okay. Smaller than the Chinese balloon. Okay. This one was described to be about as big as like think of VW Jetta or something. Okay. Like small kind of four-door-ish car. Yeah. <laughs> Flies into U.S. airspace over Alaska. Okay. So and is promptly shot down coming from maybe russia potentially right it lands on a part of the ocean oh i'm so sorry <laughs> my brother's calling me oh hi brother brother can i have some loops <laughs> brother so they shoot it down it lands on a part of the ocean that is frozen because it's the winter so they're like we're gonna go out to this sea ice and Collect it. recover it so that we can study it. My phone's literally on do not disturb, which means that he's called me four oh, times. Take it. It might be an emergency. It's never an emergency. He's probably with his girlfriend. But you know what? I'll take it. Let's take it on the air. Let him know we're a two-party consent. Let him know. Hi. I knew it. Knew it was going to be you. Yeah, we, we both wanted to see you. You guys are on the air. I'm actually recording right now my podcast. Oh, no way. For real. That's pretty dope. Which, what kind of podcast? It's called Radar Peak. That sounds cool. Yeah. Any other questions? Uh, have you heard about that thing, though? Have you heard about that balloon that they, uh, shot, they, down? they shot down? They shot down two of them. One across the coast of, I think it was Alaska, and the other one was in North Carolina. Yeah. Believe it or not, that's exactly what we're talking about right now. Oh, actually? Yeah. Thoughts? Do you guys think that, like, what are your guys' thoughts on? It's It's smart. At least honestly, no one got hurt. Honestly, it's smart because it, like, it, um, it, like, it, it, like, protects us because of... Who knows what was going on yeah, because, in there? Because of security. I mean, that's a security, that's a national security risk right there. Yeah, but at least no one got hurt when it, when it was shot down and, like, no yeah. one was in it. That's true. Do you guys think, do you guys think it's UFO or do you guys think it's, like, China or Russia? Well, that's what they're saying. They're saying that it's China. I mean, it could have been either one. The first one I heard is China. It's, it, 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 it's, it's just Trump doing another scare. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, well, I got to go back to recording, but is there any last things that you want to tell me or the listeners or question or food for thought? 
No, so we'll uh, so I'll see you in um, March, the first week of oh wait, April. Sorry, I'll see you in the first week of April. That's right. Passover, Florida. Be there or that be a goy. That should be fun. It should be real totally fun. fun. We'll play some pickleball. I well, right, miss you. Talk miss- to you. Uh, talk to you soon. Okay, talk to you soon. Thanks for calling so many times. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye. <laughs> Okay, that was amazing. Thoughts? Reviews? I think we need to have phone segments far more often. Right? Because they, they add in this element of like new voice, the unknown. The actual unknown. Truly. Okay, from now on, anytime we get a phone call we during recording, we take it. Yeah, because who knows? Who knows? But they had their own little commentary on those balloons. Okay, I'm glad that they asked. Proving my point, it has taken over the American collective conscious. And they're a great example of people who are just consuming the news passively, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I am too. Like, I'm, I know what's being reported without even reading, you yeah. know? But so, you were saying. Okay, so February 4th, Chinese balloon. Mm-hmm. February 10th, this cylinder-shaped object. I'm imagining like Oumuamua or something, Same. you know? But not. Getting taken down over Antarctica. Right. Landing on sea ice. They go to collect it. February 11th. The very next day, an object is chased out of U.S. airspace into Canada, where Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau requested the help of NORAD and their American fighter jets to take it out of the sky. And so an American is the one who fired the shot and took that one down. Okay. That's the latest I saw on that one. There's probably more news out there about that one, but, you know, America's obsessed with American news, so we're not going to talk about Canada. Got it. Sorry, Canada. The same day, just later in the day, in the afternoon, an object was seen flying over Montana. Jets were scrambled. But then the sun started setting and they were like, well, we're not going to be able to do anything about it in the dark. Like, you don't shoot something down over suburbs in the dark. You know, they're like, we'll start this up tomorrow. So they go back the next day. Obviously, it's not in the area, but they did see it over Lake Huron, fired a shot took it out of the sky this one had no discernible payload so not like the chinese balloon had the explosive device on board it's just like in the air this one was shaped like an octagon weird shape very weird what do you even mean octagon like a two-dimensional octagon no three-dimensional but i mean just imagine like a three-dimensional stop sign flying through the sky weird with like no attachments also i'm like what are the aerodynamics of an octagon right like is it slicing the air is it is it spinning? There's so many points. It's bizarre. Yeah. Can I look that one up? Maybe. Like, is there a picture? And the latest on these is the object from Lake Huron and the object from Alaska have been lost. What? No recovery. What? Recovery effort attempted. How is that possible? Exactly. How do you lose something that you know where you shot it down? Like, you can literally throw a helicopter over and just, like, find it. And for clarity, because I saw a video from someone who lived in Alaska, literally, like, relatively a stone's throw from where the missile was fired on the thing in Alaska. It would be really hard to just, like, walk out on the sea ice if you're, like, you know, not a person with a team and a support system, like, to, to be, like, a homeowner in the area. I don't think it would be possible. So it's gone. And the thing over, like, here gone that is bizarre very not recovered i mean i'm cross-checking this and that's what they're saying no lies detected but it's just like why exactly okay go on objects are showing up in america's skies to a point where even salaried journalists 
from mainstream media are actually saying the word extraterrestrial and UFO in the same sentence on TV, in print, and bigger in briefing rooms from the highest levels of our government. Now, the Pentagon has acknowledged all of the above, all of those sightings, all the efforts to take down, the fact that they took them out of the sky. They've even gone so far as to say that the objects that were downed after the Chinese spy balloon appear to look and even operate differently, that they didn't appear to be spycraft, and that they had no immediately discernible method of propulsion, which is puzzling. Very puzzling. And also that none of them were clearly observable to be owned by another nation. So, I mean, there is still the possibility they could be owned by research groups or by some billionaire Tony Starking his way through all of his billions, you know, but they're not immediately owned by a national adversary. From the White House, Biden administration press secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said that there's no indication that these objects are extraterrestrial in origin. And just the fact that the White House said the word extraterrestrial since the days of like Eisenhower is kind of amazing to me. Also, the press room kind of like erupted with laughter when she said the word extraterrestrial. And I thought, I've seen this movie. It doesn't end well. Stream Independence Day now on iTunes. <laughs> But when asked if the downed objects were ET in origin at the Pentagon in their own Nobody press briefing, laughed. the Pentagon said, quote, we're not ruling anything out. Wow. Which I thought was interesting. Also interesting to note, that press conference was timed suspiciously close to the kickoff of the Super Bowl. Right. Very suspicious. A time when no one is watching anything other than the Super Bowl. Yeah. And granted, Rihanna was amazing. Totally. But, you know, focusing our attention to this one thing, ignore what my left hand is doing and focus on the shiny thing in my right hand. Yeah. Even if these objects were clearly extraterrestrial originating when the Pentagon got their hands on them, we've said it before. I doubt that the Pentagon would hold a press briefing and say, aliens are here. We shot them down and we got their craft or whatever. Because, like, we've talked about how when and if disclosure happens, it's going to be one of two ways. Either they show up in the sky and it's undeniable or it's like a slow, leaky drip from a faucet because too much information at once very likely would send the country but like the world into panic yeah yeah i'm liking the slow drip so i said i'll circle back to why we're not in like a wholly new situation with these ufos and this is why i don't have a big of true because i've been too distracted by the history of it do you know about the battle of los angeles okay it rings a bell mm -hmm. it sounds like something i learned about like a year ago and then my mind was like we don't need to store this long term mm -hmm. so it's highly fast slow drip to me and i'll see if i remember <laughs> okay we're gonna like waist deep dive in not okay. like a deep deep dive but just like enough that you'll get Waiting a sense of what's going so allow me to set the scene for you the year is 1942 america is consumed by box office hit after hit wild cowboy westerns and private eye detective stories with the occasional disney animated short opening every other weekend glenn miller and his orchestra provide the soundtrack to a majority of american homes as band music sweeps the nation life is happiness Indeed, but on foreign shores, a war rages, threatening the peace and security of the American public's minds and the political stability of the world. War bonds are introduced, raising 13 with a B billion dollars, equivalent to nearly 300 billion dollars today. The draft age is lowered from 21 to 18. America has been involved in World War II for just two months following the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. There had been some Japanese submarines off the coast of Santa Barbara here in California, and they fired on an oil facility causing a fair amount of damage. So 
even more so at this point, America was like, fuck, our West Coast is like really vulnerable to what's about to start happening. Cut to at 2 a.m. on February 25th, 1942. Yes. U.S. Army radar picked up a UAP about 120 miles off the coast of L.A. The military fully manned their battle stations and across the city, a blackout was issued and the city plunged itself into darkness. Sirens wailed across the city and Angelinos were shocked out of their beds thinking the war had shown up on their doorsteps. <gasps> Chills. As you can expect, because Angelinos do what they want and we hate following rules, a lot of them ignored the blackout rules. So lights came on, doors swung open, and LA residents and their neighbors poured out into the streets to see what all the fuss was about. Just an hour later, around 3 a.m., the UAP was reported off the coast of Santa Monica. Military generals gave anti-aircraft cannons the green order to fire on sight, believing that a Japanese plane or a fleet of Japanese planes had entered sovereign U.S. airspace. Shortly after 3 a.m., the first shots were fired after what's now believed to be a balloon fitted with a flare, but it caused a massive panic off the coast of Santa Monica. The city of L.A. was at war. Orange-colored searchlights swept through the skies of L.A., bathing everything in an uncanny glow. Panic spread among the residents. Reports of the UAP were numerous. There were even some saying they saw entire fleets of Japanese planes. Some said there were spheres. Erroneous reports came in that a Japanese aircraft had crashed in Hollywood, but the Walk of Fame, they cried. <laughs> Interestingly, though, car crashes rose exponentially as terrified drivers sped through the streets with no lights to aid them as they tried quickly and desperately to get to safety. Three people died in these car crashes, and maybe more, maybe less, some discrepancies in the recording, but at least three people died from fatal heart attacks from the panic alone. The artillery fire rang out over Los Angeles for over an hour, and by the sound of it, the city seemed to be under total siege. When the all-clear had been given more than 1,400 rounds, of anti-aircraft ammunition had been spent, leaving a fair amount of damage to the buildings down on the ground. Because again, they were given the green order, so it's just like, go, cra- away. go crazy, boys. Many of the people in LA truly believed they had just been given an unintentional front row seat to an American-Japanese incursion in World War II right here in Los Angeles. After the incident, a photo ran in the Los Angeles Times showing the object that was seen that caused all this fuss. Okay, I think I've seen this photo. Dead center, again, a dark sky, semi-spherical in nature, and illuminated by eight of those orange searchlights. It looks like it could be from like a movie set or something, but it's a photo from the Times. But curiously, as the sun rose that next day, the smell of gunfire and smoke filled Angelino's noses. No evidence of any aircraft could be found. No object had been downed. There was no enemy shrapnel, no enemy artillery, no crashed Japanese planes in Hollywood, no recovered craft, just a city full of petrified people. Can you imagine? Afterward, an a press conference, the military said officially that war anxieties caused a citywide mass hysteria event, that the tensions were high and it's better to be safe than sorry, but I'm like obviously here skeptic. I'm not fully convinced. We just talked about it. Radar can pick up things erroneously, especially when you're making them more sensitive and filtering out less interference out of caution. I mean, at this point, there was a worldwide war happening, but I just have to question when groups of people see with their eyes and even bigger photo journalists document on film a thing in the sky that is seemingly impervious to damage but capable of inflicting 
all-out terror on a city, I'm forced to sit with the unknown and say, especially in the light of what has happened with these most recent UAP, we may not fully ever know what they are definitively, where they came from, what their purposes were. We may never actually even know definitively what was sighted in the sky over Los Angeles in February of 1942, but I've said it before, I want to believe that we have been visited, and I know that's confirmation bias, but I just, I really want to believe that. I gotta see this photo. Or at least I hope that we've been visited anyway, because we've also talked about the Fermi paradox, and the math tells us that we're not the only life in the universe. Right. So to me, if the long history of unidentifiable flying objects is any gauge, and if one day, hopefully soon, those UFOs become IFOs. Identified. And their origins are shown to be from somewhere else other than the planet we call home. I'm just thinking like, how amazing is it going to be? Even though it's probably going to be terrifying. They're probably coming here to like farm or like something. I wonder. But just to know for a fact at that point that we're not because alone. we've seen it with our eyes, we're not alone. Yeah. Is all I can think about seeing all of these UFOs this I past know. week. I know. When will we get the confirmation we long for? I think it's going to have to happen in a way similar to how the gimbal video was released. What's the gimbal video? We've talked oh, about it before too. It it wasn't plane. it wasn't officially released. It was leaked. Right. No, that's not the official confirmation I'm looking for. I'm looking yeah. for like, yes, it's true, folks. Here's the photo. Yeah. What the fuck? What is that? What is that? And also coupled with the fact that whatever these were that were shot down over Alaska and Lake Huron that now can't be found, where did those go? Where did they go? And... Is somebody like Clark Kenting them and like keeping them in the barn somewhere? Because I don't think that would be possible. It really breeds conspiracy, unfortunately. Yes. But also what I will say too is that like even if... I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. I do want to believe that the things that were shot down out of the sky were visiting not from this planet but if we learn that they're from another nation from a private developer or some tech company something like that some freemasons yeah like even <laughs> if we learn that it's something way more innocuous even in its origins it's still a huge win for the ufo community and the uap community because to memory like i said this is the most interested in the uap phenomenon that the media on mass has proven to be yeah. since the formation of project blue book right so it's only only a good thing to have Congress, for example, interested in what's happening in our skies, if only for the reasons that they're interested from a national security perspective. I agree. And they say life imitates art. And I also feel like there's been a lot of art and like movies yeah. around. The, like, I'm just thinking of like, Don't Look Up, which was more about what was the that? asteroid. An asteroid. Mm -hmm. But it still was like you saw like the government become very involved in astro phenomena. Yeah. So I don't know. Just saying. I mean, also 2023 is only just getting started so, so who true. knows what the rest of the year is going to bring for us i need to google why was the radar threshold lowered in the first place because me myself and i want to know it may not be something that's been reported on because no joke until you just ask that question i don't think i've heard anyone else asking that you know what it might have been i think this is probably probably pretty plausible someone mm. spots the balloon the first balloon like with their, with their eye and mm -hmm. they're like what the fuck calls in they're like do you know what this is it's unidentified you know they start to get nervous they find they they realize that one's from china they're mm -hmm. like all right now we need to lower our threshold to see if there are any more that we've missed 
And now that's why we're getting so many reports of unidentified flying objects because ever since the Chinese balloon, the threshold has been lowered. It seems that seems likely. That's probably what it is. And that's kind of the problem with lowering the threshold is that you do see a lot of things. But that's also like makes you think like how much have we just not been Been noticing? Yeah. Wow. But so now my little history UAP UFO detour aside, I feel like it is actually time for... Big if true. What you got for me this week? Okay, it's going to be a a total palate cleanser from what we've been talking about. We are going back to the quantum level. Ooh, you know I love being in the quantum level. Also, Ant-Man, Quantum Mania just released. Oh my god, and the Wasp. So timely. (laughs) I saw, I know, I saw the billboard for it and I was like, what the fuck? I heard that... What's the one that Ryan Reynolds plays? Oh, Deadpool. Deadpool. I heard the next Deadpool is going to be like the first R-rated Marvel movie. Oh. I'm like, okay. Fun. Fun. Get raunchy with Phase it. Phase four. Let's go, Marvel. Apparently it's a raunchy movie. I, I don't care about any of it, but... I haven't followed that one. I'm happy for whatever. I kind of stopped after... <laughs> I'm neutral entirely. Thanos and the snap. I never even got there. Okay. But fine. anyways, we're having a little quantum mania of our own over here. Here for it. So, Brett, have you heard that the universe actually has a self-destruct button that could eradicate every single thing in our universe? Definitely not. Okay. I'm excited to inform you that there is such a thing. Okay. Where's the story coming to us from? So this story, it's, you can learn about it in so many different places, but my... So that's a good sign off the start. Yes. My explanation comes from a German animation and design studio. Oh, cool. Called, and I'm going to bastardize this, Kurzgeschacht. Kurzgeschacht. Okay. Kurzgeschacht. We'll go with it. Uh, Which means, in a nutshell, they make uh, great video content. Cool. And they do great explanations of, uh, like, really dense scientific theories. Listeners in Germany or German-speaking listeners, send us an audio clip of how you say this outlet's name. K-U-R-Z-G-E-S-A-G-T. So we can correct ourselves next week. Kurzgeschacht. Sure. Kurzgeschacht. I feel like you have to sound angry when you say it. So, the old ultimate self-destruct button the catastrophe greater than any disaster we could ever imagine we can credit to a theory called vacuum decay what you need to know to understand this first is that everything has energy levels Mm -hmm. and that when we burn something we release chemical energy stored in the molecular bonds Mm -hmm. which turns to heat and the ash left over has less energy left over than it did before, right? Mm -hmm. When you burn wood, like wood is composed of all of these molecular bonds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you burn coal, even carbon, right? Like when you burn carbon, you're releasing the energy inside of those molecular bonds. That's Mm -hmm. how we turn coal into into fuel, into energy. Anyways, this is true across the board. And the second thing you have to understand is a little thing called entropy. Mm-hmm. Entropy. Everything tries to move toward its ground state. Mm-hmm. It wants to be more stable. For example, a ball on a hill has lots of potential energy. And at the top of that hill, it is at an unstable state. And right. it longs for more stability. It wants to move downhill. And when it gets to the bottom of that hill, it will reach ground level and it will basically relax and Mm -hmm. and reach what is called its ground state everything in the universe follows these two principles 
If it has lots of energy, it wants to get rid of it and become stable and reach its ground state. This is true in quantum mechanics as well. Mm, okay. So atoms, as we know, that have extra energy, right, in the form of maybe an extra electron, you know, we know are unstable isotopes, right? Like right. they want to get rid of that electron and become stable. So they'll want to move toward their own ground state. The lowest energy state possible for any particle is called vacuum state mm -hmm. which has okay. nothing to do with a vacuum in space it's just called this because scientists are bad at naming things got it okay now okay let me pause so now that we have these ground rules established yeah with you so far the properties of the universe as we observe it gains its qualities from something called quantum fields mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you probably know about this quantum fields yeah a little bit okay they're kind of weird again it to me it's just another bad name for because they're not really like fields but they are fields okay <laughs> it's it's the it's the different laws of the universe think of a field as a law that dictates the behaviors of particles okay there is one quantum field called the higgs field mm -hmm. And the Higgs field is the law that governs the acquisition of a particle's mass. Right. So it's really interesting because you don't like something I didn't realize is that mass itself is gained by particles mm -hmm. through their interaction with the Higgs boson. Right. Which is a subatomic particle. Which was found at CERN. Yes. Yes. Right? It's these like teeny tiny particles, beyond tiny, like sub, sub, subatomic. The God particle. Right. And it's just like I take for granted, like I just think, oh, particles at mass. Right. No, no, no. Something gives a particle mass. Something mm -hmm. slows it down, makes it heavier. That's the Higgs boson. And it's not like one section of the universe, you know, Know, where all particles pass through to get their Higgs boson and mm -hmm. become mass. No, Higgs boson field, the Higgs field, is everywhere in the universe, right? So I'll come back to that. But the Higgs boson field is everywhere. And you can think of it as like this molasses that occupies all of space. Okay. And it's everywhere. And it slows down energy and makes these particles heavy and gives them mass. If the Higgs field didn't exist, particles would not have mass and they wouldn't be able to attract to one another. They would just float around freely at the speed of light. Mm -hmm. It's literally what turns energy into matter. Yeah. Now we think the Higgs field, like all other quantum fields, are already existing in a vacuum state, right? The mm -hmm. most stable, least amount of energy state they could possibly be in, right? Like they're predictable. We know the way they interact. We know the amount of energy they contain. And it's like they're already in their lowest energy state. Okay. Makes sense. They're, right? Like they're, Because we can reliably observe them doing what they the do. same sets of things over and over and over and over and over. Exactly. Yeah. They're not doing anything unstable. Got it. But there is a theory. No. That the Higgs field is actually a false vacuum state. Ooh, meaning? Think of it like this. That ball that you think is at the bottom of the hill is actually just at the bottom of the second peak. You know what I mean? Like, the, actually, there's a whole other... Like, it's terraced. ...hill below it. Uh. Yes, it's ter a terrace. It's actually at a terrace. And it's at the top of actually an even steeper hill. Oh, God. <laughs> and that means that it has an insane amount of potential energy that it actually wants to get rid of. Still. Yes. Ugh. So we see 
or we don't really see, but we observe like the Higgs field as being stable and constantly interacting, you know, at this low energy state. But what we don't realize is actually it has a lot of stored up potential energy and it's just waiting for the quantum spark, if you will. Oh, no. A random spark. And this spark could be triggered by something called quantum tunneling, Mm -hmm. which I'm not going to get into, but... It's a thing. That's a fun rabbit hole. Basically, remember how I said this thing occupies the entire universe? Right. Because, I mean, everything, it's everywhere. The Higgs field is everywhere. Well, and everything has mass. So think of it as the entire universe is filled with the same kindling. Oh, no. There's not a single thing that isn't covered in gasoline. Oh, no. So a random spark somewhere in the universe, just one quantum tunneling atom could release the potential energy of the Higgs field. Oh. And push the Higgs field over there into a lower energy state, releasing a massive amount of energy. This energy release would push the space around it over its own threshold, which would release more and more and more potential energy. You essentially get this domino effect, right? Like one thing blows up and it causes the dynamite next to it to explode, which causes the dynamite next to it to explode. The results would be a new level of stability for the Higgs field to begin to grow but the end of everything as we know it everything as we know it because we it would change literally the functioning of physics across space and time it would also happen at the speed of light so there would be no way to prepare oh so it could have already happened yes Oh, no. It could have already happened, right? And it wouldn't just destroy all life. It would destroy all physics as we know it. It would begin the process of vacuum decay. Uh The bubble would grow and grow forever until it deletes the entire universe. And then I don't know what would happen. I mean, everything would be redefined. Fuck. But we would be destroyed. We Literally, the universe would start over. It wouldn't matter. Like, we wouldn't be able to prepare for it. We would just vanish from existence. But don't worry, because even if it has already happened somewhere in the universe, Mm -hmm. our universe is expanding, as we know. Right. So, and it's expanding at the speed of light, Mm -hmm. right? So as our universe expands, even though this thing might be coming closer to us, it's also actually being pulled further away. So the good thing is it probably can't reach us, even if it is happening, but you never know. And that is my big if true that is big of true that makes me wonder i mean you know we've also talked about it a couple different points how i mean we've talked about how part of why space travel is so difficult and will be so difficult on a meaningful scale as it relates to humans offloading and going to the next available habitable planet is the engineering problem of figuring out how to physically move quickly enough to get to these places because because they're moving away from us yeah you're not only moving yourself but you're moving and also trying to hit a moving target that's moving away from you right? and how because we have mass we're obviously not able to go the speed of light because the cosmological constant which is the speed of light is only able to be you can only move at the speed of light if you don't have mass if you have any mass you can only at best move closely right. approach the speed of light yeah so then that just makes me think well can vacuum decay move faster than the speed of light because vacuum decay isn't mass it's things with mass giving up energy right so then i wonder like can that energy move faster than is the it speed cold of light? comfort yeah like is there anything faster than the speed of light 
No. So. I don't know. I'm not a quantum scientist. I'm just having the thought. And it's making me kind of like break out in hives a little bit. Isn't that wild? That's big, big, big if true. Like you can imagine like it creates this growing bubble mm-hmm. that is deleting everything. It's 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 the quantum bomb that has a ripple to the point that everything in the universe is destroyed. Shout out to the Higgs field Honestly, for being everything everywhere all at once. Stunning. Right? Whoa. And it's going to be really cool because next week my big if true is mm. going to talk about another quantum field. Ooh. But you guys will have to tune in next week for that. I'll try to. Yeah. Are you busy? Do you have plans? I don't know. I'll have to look at my calendar. I'll have to build a new AI. Yeah. I think it's time we dive back into our raison d'etre. Today it's a little bit of a double header. We kind of teased it last week, but the chapters that we're going to go over today are pretty small-ish. So we're just going to put two together. A little nuclear fission, if you will. Yeah. Oh, oh no, wait. Sorry. A little nuclear fusion, fusion, if you will. Today's chapters we're talking about are the second Red Coast base Ooh. and the Earth Trisolaris movement. Let's go. Start two, one, mission and liftoff of the you're listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. I'm Brett, and this week, Ye Wenji takes a cruise through the Atlantic. The ETO is now a worldwide organization, and because of division within the group, Ye starts to realize the bigger they are, the harder they could fall. Stay tuned. Energy unit reporting. All systems go. Cutting unit reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. All systems go. Interference monitor unit reporting. With an acceptable range. Begin transmission. Okay, so where we left off last week, the ETO has literally just been formed. Ye Wenji, remember, she took that trip out to the countryside. She's looking for a new location to build this radio observatory situation. It doesn't get approved, the location she goes to, but she meets this guy, Mike Evans. And at the end of last week, the ETO has just been formed and its only two members are Ye Wenji and Mike Evans. Ye Wenji goes back to her life. Three years go by and Evans basically disappears. Ye doesn't know if he has dropped off the face of the planet or if he really is using all of his money and resources to go and try and confirm all the details that she told him about Trisolaris. Right. He doesn't write. He doesn't call? call nothing. Like, he just drops out. That's so Evans. And one winter, Ye has pretty much forgotten about him. She gets a letter in the mail, and she's like, mm, what is this? She opens the envelope, and it's an invitation. My dearest Ye. Yeah, well, kind of, but... <laughs> Not really. It's an invitation from a not very well-known university in Western Europe. And they're like, Ye Wenji, we know all about you. We love your work. Huge fans. Would you please come be a guest lecturer at our university? It's we would like give you the Toulouse-Lautrec Community College. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, will you come join our community college faculty and uh, speak to our faculty? Wow, you've never had to do a French accent before, huh? Let me try again. Uh, dear Professor Wingy. That's giving. But Professor Dumbledore. <laughs> but of course he is lying. What's that from? Harry, one of the Harry Potter movies. Oh, got it. That's funny. When the French students come. <laughs> 
So anyway, she gets this letter from this university that like nobody's ever heard of. And they're like, yeah, Wenji, we want you to come and be a guest lecturer here. We love your work. We're all about everything you talk about. We'll give you tenure of six months. And she's like, Arizona State University. She's like, I've never heard of this place. Like, right. what, what is this Actually, about? my stepdad's alma mater. Oh, go figure. Go, go Phoenixes. scorpions. <laughs> I don't know. What's the plural of Phoenix? Doesn't matter. Anyway, she's go mulling Phoenix. this over and she's like, I've never heard of this place, but a six month gig is a six-month gig, so let's go. Get that bag, gay one G. She goes to the airport, flies to Heathrow, and when she lands, as she's she getting goes to the, the bathroom, as anyone does. She, yeah, well, when she lands, <laughs> she she's check, met by a guy British. who, instead of, of course, British, instead of leaving the airport, takes her to a separate part of the terminals, and they get onto a helicopter. Okay. And she's like, wait a second, I thought I was going to, I'm in the UK, why am where are we going now? So now She's here like, again. Do you have any water? <laughs> can I get a Fiji? <laughs> so at this point, yet again, Ye Wenji is in another helicopter flying over England, and she's like to this young guy, like, where are we going? And he's like, Miss Wenji, we're going to the second Red Coast base. <laughs> Where is he from? That's what he sounds like. <laughs> but there's a second Red Coast base that's been built that she didn't know about. So she's like, uh... Come again? Okay. So they leave the island of the UK, and after being surrounded on all sides by water, just literally over the Atlantic Ocean for about a half hour, they begin their descent towards this huge ship that's sitting out in the middle of the water. She's like, what the fuck is happening here? As they're landing, of course, the name Second Red Coast Base is obviously taking Yay back to her time on top of Radar Peak. Like, just the name alone is like, do the time warp again, you know? Let's do the time warp again. Wait, can I just ask a clarifying question? Yeah. The mm, Second yeah. Red Coast Base, mm -hmm. did she ever finish that project? That's why it's kind of gaggy to her. Because she's getting involved invited to go to the second red coast base that, that she exists allegedly that hasn't been built got it as far as she had as known. far as we're aware right okay got it so as they're landing on this ship Ye starts to notice sort of like the makeup and the construction of the ship and she notices that this whole thing i mean it's not like a carnival cruise line or something this it's like a modified oil tanker got it clue number one. Ooh. Ye describes it as a floating island it's so big and she she learns after getting out of the helicopter that this place was built, of course, by none other than Mike Evans himself. Mikey. He's like, hey, welcome to the island. Housewives in the island. She learns also that he had christened the ship with the name Judgment Day. That's biblical. So Mike is an Adventist. Mm, the Adventist. As he steps out on to the helipad, she's met by this really familiar howl of the wind coming off the ocean and whizzing past this massive parabolic antenna that is installed on the back of the oil tanker. And on the deck below them, she sees a huge crowd that's assembled that's about 2,000 people deep. So like, it's like a floating city, basically, this second Red Coast base. It's a carnival cruise line. Kind of. But with no water slide. It's like a science swingers cruise. Kind of sick. <laughs> Ye sees Evans walking towards her, and without even so much as like a hey, stranger, he says, Plants a kiss. <laughs> That's that a fun fan theory. Assault. He's like, Yay, we used your frequency and your coordinates, and we got a message from Trisolaris. Everything you said, we have confirmed. So she's, she's like, You what? Uh, <laughs> come again? She's just nodding calmly like not really showing the emotion but she's like okay, okay. 
Evans tells her the Tri-Solarian fleet has already set sail. Our solar system is their target, and they're going to arrive here in about 450 years. Evans turns around, and he points to the massive crowd that's gathered below, and he's like, yay, you're looking at the first members of the Earth Tri-Solaris organization. That's right. He's Southern. Don't forget it. <laughs> Our goal is to have the Tri-Solarians come here to reform human civilization, to curb human evil, and to return the Earth to being what it was once, prosperous, harmonious, and most of all, sinless. The ETO is appealing to people everywhere, and we officially have members all over the planet. And he's like, okay, what? wow. When did you um, do all this work? How? Where, where did you get the infrastructure? sick. I know you said you had like four and a half billion dollars. Uh, Someone's got to. What can I do? Yeah. Evans is like, yeah, you can assume your role as the commander in chief of the ETO. We've been waiting for you. This is the wish of everybody here. And you know my thoughts on this. I'm just like, okay, Xin Liu, I see you. And uh, I'm like, what a convenient way to not have to explain anything about the construction, yeah. the growth. Just that it happened. It exists. They want her to be commander in chief. That's it. Like, I think it's a good choice because I don't think it is important how the ETO, all you have to know is that it did happen. But yeah. sometimes, and it might just be the English translation as well. Maybe. Like, sometimes certain explanations in the book are just, like, so fucking convenient. Yeah. And you're just like, well, okay, I'll go with it. But that's what you got to do when you read anything. You suspend your disbelief. Have to. Because, I mean, this is also, as we'll learn, the ETO has grown Science fiction. to be a... <laughs> formidable group. I mean, they have 2,000 people alone on how this did, ship. How he recruited these people? Yeah. Not important. I mean, yeah. But he did. Fully beside the point, but it happened. Yeah. No explanation, but okay. None needed. We're powerful. End of story. Done. So Ye is kind of gagged. They're like, yeah, we want you to be the commander in chief of the ETO. We want you to be CFO. <laughs> so she's taking all of this in. She's just like nodding her head and she just answers in the most yay whingy way possible let me guess she goes fuck it human race is doomed anyway everything is meaningless i'll try my best she goes (laughs) no that's what she says I'll try my best. That is what she says. That is actually what she says. So then Evans raises his fist to the group below and they're all just like looking because, you know, they've done this before. We've seen this once already. Raises his fist to the sky and shouts out, eliminate human tyranny. And then the waves crash and the wind howls and the crowd answers back in unison. The The world world belongs to Tri-Solaris. And on this day in the Atlantic Ocean, the ETO's mission formally began with Ye Wenji now finally actually officially installed as their commander-in-chief. Wow. And that's that chapter. It's very, very short. Could you imagine, though, just like an alternate chapter, like an alternate draft of this chapter where basically Evans is like, we want you to be CFO, but there is someone else who wants to be CFO, so we're going to actually need you to interview for the job. Yeah. <laughs> the next three chapters are just, just about her but it would be in an interrogation setting, but just as an interview. Yeah. Yes. And then be like, so what makes you think you're qualified for this job? And Ye Wenji is like, uh, nothing. I mean, I worked at Red Coast One and... I'm raising a baby on a teacher's salary. That's yeah. how I know I can be CFO. I'm a single mother. Also, what happened to Yang Dong? She's okay. She's in school getting babysat. I, I guess. Know, just dropped it. Hmm. hmm curious. Thoughts. 
you know, it takes a village to raise a baby. I'm sure her neighbors watching Yang. At one point, it did actually take Yewenji a village to raise her baby. I know, in the in the Kingon Mountain. Uh huh. So, I mean, that's the end of that chapter. Very short, sweet, to the point. Reunited. It feels so good, baby. And now we've got an army. Our next chapter starts, and maybe to answer some of your questions that you had about, like, well, where did the ETO come from? How did they actually scale? How are they operating? Because it does seem kind of like left field how they just like exist all of a sudden. Admittedly, probably the most surprising thing about the ETO movement was how quickly people had abandoned all of their hope and faith in humanity. How much they hated other humans for a variety of reasons were just sort of like ready at a moment's notice to betray human civilization as a whole. And to be perfectly quite fucking honest, like how many humans got off on the idea of the human race being eliminated by the Trisolarans who were just jetting through the cosmos on their way to our solar system. The original trolls. The ETO was organized of what the narrator calls spiritual nobles. Okay. And these people come... Trolls. I mean, (laughs) not no, but they come from... No, wait. Moderators. Subreddit moderators. That. (laughs) Spiritual nobles. That. The rules of this community are... Clear and outlined. Please make sure you read in full and comment below that you have read before you engage or your post will be removed. Head snapping every word. The ETO is organized with what the narrator calls spiritual nobles. So these people, they come from extremely Nobility. highly educated oh, basically. families. Okay. They've been to not only university, but they've achieved like doctorate level or expert level in whatever field they are status and they're also elite in some way either in political business finance something like that so we're talking like aristocracy upper upper crust of society the eto tried at one point to allow anybody to join them they're like ah bring in the peasants but that really like proved to be a waste really the highest among the eto determined that after this little pilot program of like bring in the normies (laughs) That these people couldn't really truly grasp the darkness of humanity. So, like, they can't sit with us. Mm. Just like, you know, they don't understand. They live different lives than we do. Yeah. They're out there just, like, struggling for their next meal. They can't think about the things that we think about. Don't let them in anymore. That's very non-communist. Yeah, right. But more to the point, because the normies weren't highly educated and their thought processes weren't driven by scientific and technological knowledge, their main fault as identified by these spiritual nobles was that they still identified too highly with the human species because they're the everyman. They're the workers, the blue collars. So in the end, it made all of the normies bad candidates to carry out the mission of the ETO because these people could never betray humanity because at their core, these people were humanity. Interesting. So these spiritual nobles are Illuminati, whatever you want to call them. Most of them were raised in a way to think larger than themselves like globalists if you will but like even bigger than globalists because like they're from ways of life that they have every resource they could ever hope for so they get to ponder the questions of existence right that joe somebody down the street going to his nine to five every day never has a day off doesn't enjoy that luxury right it's also reminds me of the difference between like the history of like high magic and low magic Mm -hmm. and how like low what is called low magic probably coined by high ceremonial magicians is actually the magic of and the rituals of 
farmers, Mm -hmm. you know, people who are following the moon cycle and the crop cycle in order to like maximize harvest Mm -hmm. and maximize, you know, money. And and, like there's good reason for them to be doing magic. And it all stems from like being outside and like working the land and being connected to the earth. Yeah. It's funny you say that because these noble elites were the way they were raised the way they were from the types of means that they are, their nature is prone to alienate themselves from humanity right and so to them the eto was the perfect home right this fucking barge in the middle of the atlantic ocean meanwhile high magicians are like in these like red velvet pieds in east london Mm -hmm. with robes and inner orders and all this organization and intellectual discussion and literature and everyone's trying to like write the next grimoire Grimoire. everyone's writing their grimoires and just judging the low magicians Mm -hmm. as like uneducated yeah so in a span of three short years after its founding the eto went from two members in the chinese countryside to more than 2,000 members on a ship headquartered in the atlantic with auxiliary members around the globe so the growth mama impressive wow kind of like our numbers our listeners kind of like our <laughs> listeners we love you guys but their numbers alone we started just two members in are this... we the eto we're the eto we started two members in a Little room in East Los Angeles. In the woods of East Los Angeles. But the ETO's numbers alone were not the most impressive thing. Because as you can imagine, because the ETO is made up of these social elites, they have influence in ways that the normies could never hope to. Mm. Like real Illuminati shit. Like defense weapons? I'm just guessing. More so like in society. Okay. And like what they can affect because of who they are right but then also their resources right it would be like the head of cnn Mm -hmm. and the right head of government maybe like you know one senator i have no idea yeah things like that being the commander-in-chief yay really just served the eto in this advisory capacity and she acted as the group's spiritual leader the members didn't trouble her with their operational details but after the actual insane life that yay wenji has been dealt here she finds herself effectively leading an organization so large that it's impossible to get an accurate headcount of how many people are considered members of that big at this point. The ETO operated in the open and they were completely unafraid of any kind of backlash from conservative governments around the world because in their words, it was due to the government's collective lack of imagination, which I was like, oh. They're always firing shots at the government, which I love. To the world's governments, anytime the ETO made a proclamation or issued an edict, it was just viewed as like a any other act from any other group that they would consider extremist. So okay. they would see it, they'd be aware of it, but they're not like cracking taking down on action or, or doing anything against afraid. them. Yeah. Bunch of crazies. Yeah. Across the board, the ETO was treated very, very carefully, though. Governments were aware of who all the members were and also how high within their social systems they ranked. It's pretty genius that he built a tanker in the middle of the Atlantic because it's no one's jurisdiction also. International water, baby. That's right. By the time the ETO seemed like a real threat to governments, they were quite literally everywhere and it was too late though it really wasn't until they started forming their army that the world's governments really started taking them seriously (laughs) it's giving wild wild country i mean think about it like if scientology with a global spread just started publicly forming an army people would get nervous yeah 
I mean, they do have a navy because they have Sea Org. Right. But I mean, if we're talking like all branches of army with tankers and, you know, people would not right. take to that very it's true. well. We don't really have like um like an ideal driven non-country tied government. Yeah. You know what I mean? And with the ETO, governments aren't afraid of them per se, but they do really treat them with soft gloves in a way. They're aware of the power that the organization holds and they're like, all these people are bankers. They own the banking industry. They own the business industry. They could like shut down the world if they wanted to. Or just like pay them off also. Yeah. But as seemingly powerful and widespread as the ETO was, within the group, fractures started to form. Differences of opinion started rising. And soon, the organization fell into two factions. Yes, indeed, Brett. ETO did split into two groups. You may remember their names. The Adventists. Allie and AJ. <laughs> the shotgun. This is the potential breakup song. Our organization needs... Okay. I mean, they didn't officially break up, but as there is with any large organization, mm-hmm. clicks. <laughs> there are clicks. So click number one, you've got the Adventists. Which I want you to think of as Avengers. Mm-hmm. They are vengeful toward the human race. And they mostly follow Evans's pan-species communism ideology. They've totally given up on humanity. And they want foreign intervention vis-a-vis the Trisolarans in order to essentially punish the human race. Same. But their hatred for the human race really develops over time. I mean, it becomes more and more extreme. And their motto essentially is, we don't know what extraterrestrial civilization is like, but we do know what humanity is like. Mm. So bring them in. Yeah, I mean, same. Yeah. And then you've got the redemptionists. Which you can think of as, well, they believe the human race can maybe be redeemed. Okay. Or at least they can be redeemed by the Trisolarans. Okay. See, they are more of the religious type. They believe in the Trisolaran faith. Mm. which honestly gives Scientology as well. Because as we discussed, I think off the record, we were talking about how Scientology has a lot of celestial... There's a belief in like, I forget the exact terminology, but like effectively like a galactic overlord. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of sick. So the redemptionists are like kind of like zealots and they believe not in the faith of Trisolaris, like the the religions that exist on the Trisolaran planet, but in their own religion that worships the Trisolarians as their lord. To them, the human race is like a young, naive teenager Mm. lost in the desert of the universe who suddenly finds out about the existence of a potential lover, a potential boyfriend, you could say, or a girlfriend. And though he cannot see her face, just knowing that she exists creates all of these fantasies about salvation and how, you know, we'll finally find our place, you know, where we belong. Hmm. These fantasies, and I wonder really what the fantasies that they have are in their religion. Like, I would love to just read a whole book on the religion of the redemptionists. Yeah. Also, they sound like incels. (laughs) To me, they sound just like religious zealots. Mm -hmm. And... 
no shade, but my former babysitter called me for my birthday. Okay. And let me tell you, she speaks a mile a minute and I don't know what she's saying half the time. But then she's like, repeat after me. And I was like, okay. And she's like, I submit to you, Jesus Christ. I was like, I submit to you, Jesus Christ. What? As the son of God, as the son of God. And I'm just like, just like saying what she's telling me to repeat back to her and i'm like yeah this doesn't feel right to me but if it makes her if it makes you happy she knows you're jewish right yeah i think that's why it feels really good enough for her if she tried to convert you to christianity yeah like yeah wow she really and you know what it's yeah and i'm just like wow like her whole life i mean i every other word out her mouth is father god like praise the lord praise god praise jesus in jesus like very fundamentalist yeah in her like approach yeah Yeah. i'm just like you know if it makes you happy yeah i mean i was gonna yeah i was gonna just say choices yeah, choices. And, and just you describing redemptionist reminds me of that. Those types of people. Yeah. They are fanatics. Have you heard about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Yeah. They hand you a pamphlet. Yeah. Have you heard about our Lord and Savior Trisolarin? Yeah. Their fantasies grow just more elaborate. I imagine they like literally write Bibles Probably. out of the communications that they've received from Trisolaris. Mm-hmm. And they really grow these like spiritual feelings toward the Trisolarian civilization on Alpha Centauri in the star system Alpha Centauri and yeah. Alpha Centauri becomes like this Mount Olympus to mm. them the dwelling place of the gods and the Trisolarian religion but unlike other religions they worship a god to them that really exists right yeah and I was thinking like it's funny because it's like is it a does it is that does that even make it a god or is that really like a governor like are you worshiping more like a king mm. like a divine king yeah it's less of a god and more of a lord in every sense yeah, right like right. a feudal lord almost yeah. but also unlike our typical understanding of a godhead their savior needs the help of its disciples and not the other way around Ooh. see to the redemptionists the duty of salvation falls on the shoulders of the believers. They must save their Lord. And then, and then I'm reminded that Shen Yufei really must have been a redemptionist. Yeah. Because when we learned from her husband, when they met at the Buddhist temple, mm-hmm. you know, she was talking about like her Lord. Trying to solve the problem. And yeah, yeah got like, it. Oh, that's okay. a hardcore redemptionist right there. You know, when you see it. Now, here's a little more backstory. This The rest of this chapter is very much just like, explaining the ETO. Got it. And a little bit of history. The three-body game that Wang Miao has been playing Mm -hmm. was developed by the Redemptionists. I knew it was a psyop. It is a form of evangelizing. Wow. The goal is to spread the culture and the beliefs of the Redemptionists and and to expose them to Trisolarian culture. And they invested an enormous amount of money in developing this game and to proselytize the Trisolarian religion and to allow the ETO to spread from the intelligentsia down to like the young proles and recruit more ETO members from all walks of life, as you stated. I, I guess this was a repeated attempt or maybe this is just more detail on how they tried to recruit or, yeah i mean oh maybe more would, class. well i mean maybe it would make more sense that it is a new attempt because maybe you can reach more people if you speak it in a language that they're already consuming right you know like you video gamify your kind message that's more easily digestible by right. the whole of the population than just trying to like talk about these existential things and expect somebody to like pick up in, like a machine gun and move to this oil tanker clearly someone in the ego 
is like a high level advertising exec and mm-hmm. was like, how do we do some really organic marketing here? We got to get on Twitch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know, they build this game, which essentially uses a shell that draws from human society and human history to build a game that explains the culture and history of Trisolaris. Mm-hmm. Once players get to a certain level and can appreciate the culture of Trisolaris, the ETO would then reach out, examine players' sympathies, and recruit them to the ETO. Which is how Wang got there. Exactly. Those who passed the test joined the ETO. Three Body didn't really take off as much as they thought. I mean, they did have many players, but mm-hmm. not, it's no it's not Grand Fortnite. Theft Auto. Yeah, it's no yeah. Fortnite. Because it requires a lot of thinking. It's not just a shooter game. <laughs> True. I it's mean, not- it is heavily science-based yeah more so than any kind of puzzle game you it's have to like have talking. the foundation to even like really play you and do know well. like anything about physics yeah and you have to have a lot of patience to like keep coming back it works if you work it and yeah a lot of players just didn't have the patience to like get to the bottom of this game and mm-hmm. people really quit so again most of the people who were into it were intellectuals got it so it's like self-filtering yeah who's gonna get in the literati etc the three-body game to i wrote the three-body game to redemptionist pipeline is short mama Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a the three-body game is the cradle of the redemptionist movement i mean it makes sense because the whole point of the game is to solve the problem of how to keep the planet habitable by figuring out the cycle of the planets around the unstable suns and to get you to care about these about this race of being it's also interesting that their religion is formed the way where it's like the gods need the help of the people, not the people needing the help of the yeah. gods, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so, I like that. It does Flipping prime that them. on its head. The game also primes them. So, like, you yeah. need to start problem solving. Now, there's always tense conflict within the ETO between the redemptionists and the Adventists. Mm-hmm. Adventists believe the redemptionists were a threat because the redemptionists, had a low-key desire to convert the leaders of the world to believers. They thought, you know, if I can just, if we can just get, you know, the leaders of every country on earth to essentially bend the knee to our Lord and boot lick. (laughs) Right, yeah. Lick the boot of the Trisolarian intergalactic fleet, then humanity can be redeemed. It honestly sounds, no shade to them, (laughs) but it sounds like the evangelical movement in America. Saying like, if we can get everyone to bend the knee to Jesus Christ, then the country will be saved or the country will be on a better track or like, yeah, wow. It's pretty wild. Big picture thinking there. Yeah. Very big picture. A little too big. Yeah. A little nearsighted mm-hmm. it's the opposite of big picture thinking i guess like it's it's you know what i'm saying it's pixelated it's pixelated yeah. it's like well if we do this uh-huh. then they'll have to uh, you know but all right they've got plans i'm sure they've got detailed plans maybe probably and if they don't they have guns that's true but here's the thing the redemptionists and the adventists have approximately the same numbers as each other in Ooh. within eto and about the same strength okay so, I mean, that's how they can both exist. Yeah. And they yeah. both have armed forces. So they're constantly on the brink of civil war. God. And Ye Wenji, you might be wondering, like, well, where does she fit in? She really doesn't side with either of them. She's there okay. to just try to keep the peace, keep the ETO united. Because okay. at the end of the day, that's what she's about. True. She's like, yeah. guys, we are all on the same page here. Like, we want Trisolaris to come. You know what I mean? We want to usher in their arrival. Like, mm-hmm. it's honestly like, well, it's any po- political party. I mean, think about how the left eats the left and the right eats the right. I mean, mm. 
Mm-hmm. It's like you got the same kind of basic There's so much ideas. unintentional commentary in this chapter. There really is. The more the ETO goes on, a third faction actually crops up. Ooh, <laughs> new faction alert. Yeah, and they are called the Survivors. Ooh. See, after confirming the existence of an alien invasion fleet, mm-hmm. a group of ETO members decide that just surviving that invasion and the inevitable war on Earth that would come is the most natural human desire. Mm. Of course, that war wouldn't come for 450 years and had nothing to do with the people living today, but the survivalists hoped that even if and when humans did lose to Trisolaris, that their descendants would be the ones to survive. Mm, okay. Survivalists tended to be lower middle class and from East China. Okay. As different as these factions were, and as different as their reasons were, they each had something propelling the ETO forward as a whole. Okay. The enduring hatred of the human race, you know, aka the Adventists. The yearning and adoration for a more advanced civilization, aka the Redemptionists. And a strong desire for posterity. Mm. aka the survivors by this point the trisolaran civilization was still deep in the depths of space Mm. they are literally traversing space time they're more than four light years away 400 years away from arriving and the only thing that they had sent to earth was a radio transmission however in the final sentence of this chapter reads bill mathers's contact as symbol do you remember him are not real yeah we are fictional our fictional philosopher from the rand corporation which is real real but bill mathers is not who wrote a fictional text on the detail seti yeah and coined the term the one hundred thousand light year iron curtain Uh uh-huh or, or this is the name of his fictional book. book. The 100,000 Light Year Iron Curtain, Seti Sociology, which is such a good title for mm-hmm. a fake book, where he says, contact with alien civilization is only a symbol or a switch. Regardless of the content of the encounter, the results are the same. And the final sentence of this chapter just says, Bill Mathers's contact a symbol theory thus received chillingly perfect confirmation that no matter what the content of the transmission from Trisolaris said, and no matter what was said back, the result would be the same. Trisolaris would arrive at Earth in 400 years. And that is the end of the chapter. Oh, cliffhanger after cliffhanger after cliffhanger and it just gets cliffier and hangerier after this god We are going full speed ahead. Me too, because no joke. I, we talked about it a couple weeks ago too. And the last l- tiny little leg of this book, that I mean, all of these pieces that we've been sort of learning about along the way of being like, yeah, this is interesting, but why is it important? They all fall together in just a few short weeks and the picture is astounding i can't wait i have no idea put together. as you know these are my first reads of these chapters and because truly i'm not disappointed nothing to this point has been irrelevant i'm on the edge of my seat everything's gonna come back Stunning. even things i forgot about okay well next week we're doing chapter 
fucking 30. Dirty 30. Two protons. Two protons, which is exciting because it's, it's it's a title that really we haven't seen anything like so far. Mm-mm. Like everything's sort of been like Red Coast Space 3, Red Coast Space 4. And like there's been discussions of particles like when Dingy and Wang were like playing pool, you know, but like 20 no. 28 chapters ago. Yeah, but we haven't seen particle physics really aside from knowing that time. those three particle accelerators were built. Right. We've either been like in the three body game with Dasha or it's been a lot of foundational yeah stuff and now stuff is happening i'm so excited brett told me the next couple chapters are the <sighs> climax of the book yeah. and the most exciting mm-hmm. so i'm so excited we're not using the brakes from now on starting next week it is pedal to the floor until we're done basically i'm excited you guys and listen, if you can't wait till next week and you want a little more three body, a little more Brett and Allie, you can hop on over to our Patreon. Patreon.com. Patreon.com. Slash Radar Peak. And you can become a subscriber. We've got our Red Guard tier. We've got our Frontiers of Science tier. tier. And we've got our Trisolarian Overlords tier. So whether you're a Redemptionist, an Adventist, or a Survivor, come on down. We've got a place for you. We do. The ETO wants you. Also, don't forget, send us your big if trues. Yes. Tell us what is insane if true. Mm-hmm. Maybe we will cover it. If I'm not sure on a real episode. on a Our episode. algorithms are not even the craziest ones out there. I'm I sure know. people are seeing crazier things than we are. Yeah. Let us know. Whether you're a layman or a astrophysicist or nanotechnology researcher which by the way i was on one of the dating apps today and Uh, i literally passed someone who works in nanotech and i was like oh you should match with them just so we could have them on the show i know i really should too late well anyway until next week the oscar goes to adele dazim (laughs) and i'm done saying words bye You've been listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for exclusive content we might not have time for, subscribe to our Patreon. One last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on Twitter at Radar Peak Pod. See you then.